Drew Miller. Welcome to Tiger Turf Talk. We're excited to be partnering with the Toro Company to kick off an all-new summer series focused on their upcoming Grounds Leadership Academy happening in June. Over the next 10 weeks, we will be releasing podcasts following Drew's road trip to Minneapolis and back, where he will be meeting with grounds professionals across the country. Please join us as we talk about their careers, the properties they manage, and their favorite Toro equipment. This episode of Tiger Turf Talk is brought to you by the Toro Company. For over 100 years, the Toro Company has been a leader in innovative solutions for turf maintenance. Through a strong network of professional distributors, Toro proudly offers a wide range of commercial-grade equipment. Visit Toro.com to explore their full lineup of products. Welcome to this special episode brought to you by the Toro Company. We are here with an absolutely incredible guest, uh, former MLB baseball player Jeff Baker, local to Northern Virginia. How are you doing this morning? Yeah, everything's good. Weather's turning. Oh, yeah. So nice. Well, this morning was nice and cool. I was like, whoa, whoa. Don't say windows open. Yeah, finally. Right. (laughs) No, it's great to have you here. It's incredible to be able to talk to you and to know you over the past few years and everything. Um, I do want to take a moment uh, for to remember our first host, uh, Rylan Harris, who passed away two years ago today. Uh, We just want to make sure everybody's aware of his cause, everything that he's done. Uh, The Rylan Strong Foundation. We miss you, bud. And thank you for all that you do. I don't mean to bring it down (laughs) off the bat. I just want to make sure I mention that right off the bat. So a lot of our listeners are sports field managers from across the world. What can you tell us about your career, what you've accomplished, where you've been and everything that you've sort of, you know, done in your career? Badly. Um, (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it's, it started off like I played little league and I played every sport under the sun as a kid and grew up in a military family. So you know, obviously was traveling around and just playing in the local rec leagues and doing all the stuff that we normally do. And then, you know, got to high school, um, played at Garfield High School, was able to have play on some good teams there, got a scholarship out of, out of that place to go to Clemson, was dropped out of high school, turned it down, um, spent a couple years in the minor leagues. And then fortunately for my career, I was up in the big leagues kind of to stay um, and got got experience a lot, got a See a lot of things, do a lot of things that, you know, I never really thought was possible, you know, as a kid coming up here, granted, Northern Virginia is changing, um, but as a kid growing up here with not a whole lot of money, didn't think I'd ever get to experience a lot of these things. Obviously, very fortunate for the opportunities and the competition and all that stuff. I, so one thing I missed now that I'm not playing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Now, you you played with, obviously, the Marlins, Cubs, Rockies, uh, any other I had one year I got bounced around pretty hard. Chicago, Detroit, Atlanta. But then yeah. you were a wanted man. Yeah, I was, he was yeah. playing well, guys. Wanted but never loved. <laughs> oh, stop. <laughs> um, now, when it comes to a baseball season and everything that you go to uh, go through, can you sort of explain sort of the strain that you go through when it comes to your body, the work that you're doing and everything? Obviously, people are like, oh, you're an MLB baseball player. You can't complain, right? What is that like for you and sort of your experience, you know, just everything that we don't really get to see that you guys go through when it comes to the day-to-day. Yeah, it's the the biggest thing and the biggest jump from college baseball where you're playing, you know, 40 to 60 games, depending on how good you are, is once you get into pro ball, you're playing 182 games. And it was kind of, I'll never forget this story. It was a wake-up call. I had some buddies that wanted to come. I think we were, I was with the Rockies at the time. We were coming through either to D.C. or Atlanta. I forget where. And this was Friday, and we, so we played a game Friday, and then they're hitting me up like, hey, let's go out and you know grab a drink. And I'm like, what, what are you talking about? They're like, you have the weekends off. And I'm like, no, we don't have the weekends <laughs> off. And, and we always say, like, you literally play 162 games in 182 days. Yeah. And then you throw in spring training, which is another two months. Like, the, the biggest thing, and it's it's kind of become mainstream now, is the nutrition, the sleep, the taking care of your body. You know, where early in my career, it was more just get out there, grit your teeth, grind and play through it. But I, I still remember Todd Helton and Larry Walker when I was a young guy in camp. And they would, you know, hey, this is the best, you know, your body's ever going to feel. And I'm like, what are you talking <laughs> about? It's the first day of street training. And then sure enough, after that, it, it's a grind. Mm-hmm. Like there, there's a lot. Yeah. You know, and I always say it, people, you get to see the big stadiums, you see the the contracts that guys are signing. You don't see, you know, the minor league bus trips, you know, from eight to 16 hours going from one city. That's not so nice to another city. That's not so nice playing on some, 
not so nice stadiums, mm-hmm. you know, and then just the biggest thing for me, you know, it, it's just the travel, yeah. you know, one day you'll, you'll, if you're playing on a big market team, like the Cubs, you'll be in New, New York, or it happened to us. We were in LA, you play a night game, Sunday mm-hmm. night baseball game in LA. You got to fly all the way across country. You're playing New York the next day. By the time you get in, you're in rush hour traffic trying to get into the city in New York. And then sure enough, from there, you get into the hotel at noon. You got a game at 7 p.m. that night. And it's like, hey, go get them. So it's definitely some challenging stuff. Absolutely. Now, uh, you spoke a little bit to minor league baseball and sort of how that is something that really has it's gotten better yeah, over time. Absolutely. But what was your experience like, you know, sort of progressing from. And again, I'll take it from a sports field manager's aspect, yeah. from a high school field, you yeah. know, through college, minor leagues, into the pros, just to see that progression and sort of the the role it played in your career and how you're able to accomplish what you did. Yeah, ab- absolutely. One of the biggest things, I was fortunate enough, it, it was different. When I came, was coming through Garfield, we basically took care of the field. Yeah. You know, that, my father, our coaches, and everybody. And so we took care of the field, and we had a nice playing service, I thought. And then, you know, I go to Clemson, and I didn't realize how spoiled I, I, I got. Like, you play your three years there, and the field's unbelievable. They have a program there. Like, I remember they had, at the time, I think it was, like, one of its own. Like, we, I remember my freshman year was pouring down rain. And I'm like, oh, we're done. We're not playing today. And all of a sudden, this, like, device comes out, like, super soaker thing, and, like, sops it all up. And it's like, sure enough, we're playing, like, 40 minutes later. And and the Clemson's, the playing service, and I tried It's gotten, it's different now. Mm-hmm. But the playing service there the next closest thing you're going to get is the nicer big league stadium, Mm -hmm. you know, then, you know, progress on into the minor leagues and it's gotten so much better. Um, The care, the amount of money that's being put into it, the time, the investments into the playing services. Mm -hmm. Um, Some, some of the places when I was coming up in the minor leagues, depending on where they were with, you know, location and weather, it it was pretty rough. Yeah. Yeah. It was pretty rough. And then, you know, transitioning into the big leagues, every, Everyone likes to think, you know, every major league field and the playing service is unbelievable. Yeah. Not the case. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Not the case. There are some cities, and obviously you guys know this, there are some cities and some, you know, weather that that's challenging to get the field the way you want it to get on top of, you know, front offices, you know, whether it's them throwing concerts out on the field or yeah. all the stuff I know you guys absolutely love. <laughs> um, but I, I remember late in my career, I went on a rehab assignment, I got hurt, and we went and I was playing at, um, it was in, Frisco, Texas, and I forget where the other one was down there when I was with the Rangers. And these playing surfaces were unbelievable for yeah. minor league ballparks. And it's just, it's come a long way. I think people are starting to understand the value um, and putting time, effort, research, you know, education into fields. Because at the end of the day, you know, if you have a good field, you're going to have better players, mm-hmm. you know. And then on top of that, not even taking into account, you know, the health and safety stuff, yeah. you know, that's now becoming a priority. Bring it up. I might as well, you know, poke the bear with it. Yeah. You know, Aaron Rodgers, yep. the whole situation that just happened in New York. For you, was there a big difference when it came to an artificial playing surface to you know, playing in a natural grass? Right. What kind of... I know certain players have said like they feel it after yeah. they play on it. Like, what was that experience like for you? Again, yeah. when we talk about playing at a high level, like... Our students are like, yeah, we think we do really well. But when you're right. talking about professionals who put that much torque on a turn or yeah. rotational stuff, like what is that like for you? And how can you sort of explain that to us as yeah, you know, my, people who care for it? My my first time ever playing on a turf field was over in Japan. Mm-hmm. And I absolutely loved it. I thought it was great. At the time, I was also, it was on the USA national team. I was also 19, 20 years old. <laughs> and so it was no big deal. Yeah. Then I remember going to Toronto. And every time we go into Toronto, all of our big time players would DH. They wouldn't play the field, whether it was Todd Helton when I was with the Rockies or it was, you know, Ramos Ramirez or Derek Lee with the Cubs. And then, you know, at the end of my career, Adrian Beltre. And so I ended up, you know, playing the field in a lot of those games. And I remember at that point in my career, it's, you know, seven, eight years in the big leagues, I felt it. And, you know, you feel it and it's how you recover. You feel it like in your knees, you feel it in your hips. And then I was like thinking, I was like, this kind of sucks. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I was like, I get it now. But like, I, I liked playing on turf. If you could take away, you know, the I liked it because it was consistent. Yeah. But now with with how much time and effort is put into the, the fields, you're going to get consistent bounces and hops now. So I, I'm not a fan of the turf, like, to be honest with you. And you're, you brought up Darren Rogers stuff and it, it's a can of worms. I just I'm a big 
soccer guy, right? Oh, yeah. Well, so, we're going to get into that. So too. I'm a big soccer guy. And when I see what they can do with MetLife and they can put it in the grass for when they have like Real Madrid or Man United, whoever required, they, yeah. they put it in and then they take it back out and put turf. I know those guys in the NFL don't want to play on turf. I mean, I'm a Ravens fan and the Ravens went through this. They had some injuries 100%. on turf. They took it out. And now, sure enough, you know, it's grass there at uh, M&T. But yeah, shout, I, shout out, Sean. You great, do great work out there, bud. Yeah, I'm I'm just I'm not a big turf guy. No, I, like, I, I get some of the, the financial stuff and all that. But if you give me someone that cares about the field and grounds cooper and a crew that know what they're doing, I'm taking grass every time. Now, I'm going to put this to bed because there are so many people out there that say it. People say that grass costs more than artificial is not true right. when you talk about artificial fields you're talking about a 1.8 million dollar valuation for our field here at brentsville that was just put on our practice field okay and that's not an nfl size regulated field right. there's more to it when it comes to like amount of stuff needed obviously at a pro level so you're talking like two million dollars right? right a lot of teams evaluate their field on a weekly basis we have to turn in results every single week when we were when i was working in pittsburgh they have to return all the data to the nfl office so that it clears the protocols that were put in by the nfpa and, th- and this is weekly this is weekly okay. every week it, yeah, has yeah. To, it has to pass so every two years it's evaluated usually that the artificial needs to be replaced so when you think about two years four million dollars uh, yeah you have other people who are saying that it lasts eight to ten years for high school programs they don't know how to take care of it and you're talking about these guys taking care of it on a daily basis on right professional level so when we talked uh to shout out casey carrick at unc they had a situation when the coach uh didn't want to get rid of natural grass but their practice facility was in a landlocked situation that's right they couldn't have a practice field for a year so they would either have to travel to some off-site place or they could practice on the game field and then replace it every game gotcha so they contracted that out to Carolina Green Sod Farm, and they didn't end up using all of them for every single game because it performed so well, right? Um, but it was a longer project, so it took two years. So they used the whole contract. They replaced the field, I believe, six times, $1.4 million. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, that's yeah. all the bells and whistles with right. the install of the natural grass right. and the subgrade and all that. And it's like, why is the NFL able to put out this false narrative that it costs less? And owners are just worried about, you know, being able to go out at any given moment is what they I, I think a lot of that's going to, I mean, obviously the NFL PA is banging pretty hard after, sure. you know, when you're losing someone. When you have the top guy. Like it, it's, I don't know. I just don't get why they don't do it. For sure. Like just, just get rid of it. It's again, it's not like it's a penny on the dollar for right. How much is NFL worth? <laughs> oh god, you know, but you talked a little bit about soccer. Yeah. I know you're a huge Man City fan, Premier yep. League fan. Where did that come from and sort of the love of the game for that? Obviously, there's I I did a project in college. It's like a religion. Yeah. You know, it's not it's not just a sport to them. What is so, it like been for it, you? It's funny. A lot of people don't know this, but I played soccer one of the sports growing up a lot. And I, I bust my wife's chops on it, but they, they have like the ODP, which is like, the, I don't know where it stands nowadays, but it was like a higher level of playing soccer. Mm-hmm. And I also had a, I was born in Germany. Yep. So I had the dual citizenship thing. And I remember this coach came up and was like, Hey, we want you to go over and play one of the German teams. And I'm like, this is, I'm not doing this. <laughs> like I'm looking at it and it's like same coach the next day, you know, comes up and is like, Hey, you got to play baseball or soccer. And I was like, I'm not picking a sport. And then my dad fortunately backed it. And so we went and just played baseball. And that was kind of in soccer. But I always loved soccer as a kid. And then when I, when I got older and, you know, just watching the game, for me, it's so different than, you know, baseball or football or basketball. And I didn't understand. I just like watching guys score goals and celebrate. Mm-hmm. And then once I started getting older and you could see, you know, the tactics, the formation, you know, when to press, when not to press, the different styles of play, I just fell in love with it. Yeah. Like I, I just fell in love with it. And, at the time when I was younger, just like City's colors, I didn't know anything about the Premier League or <laughs> you know them, you know, out of Main Road. Like you before. picked the right one. I don't. That's why everyone laughs now. They're like, "Oh, you you front running son of a butt." Uh, like, like, dude, I was like, "This is the only team I know." Yeah. And then I also like it because it's it's like the NFL. This get granted, those guys probably don't like it, but you know they're playing once a week or yeah. you know twice a week. And as a fan, it's easy to keep up with and it's yeah. fun to watch. And 
I enjoy it, man. Other than when they play the, gosh, what is it like the seven a.m. games here? <laughs> yeah, their afternoon <laughs> games getting up, but yeah, I've I've always enjoyed it, and it's it's something different, and yeah, I like it. Now I want to go back to sort of MLB and everything that you did. Um, now we've saw, talked before, and there are certain fields that you guys are like excited to go play at. Certain, yep. What is that like, sort of like for players? You know, having the understanding of how a field plays, you know, and impact it has on your games. Uh, obviously, we my, my always go to the you know when a, a batter drops a bunt down and it's yep. rolling down the line and yep. it stays on the line yep. because everything's level and that's the groundskeepers, yep. you know, sort of type of thing. What has it been like for you and you know your former? years yep. in the space you know just sort of interacting with the field understand what's good for you and what's not it, it's when i was with colorado it was kind of it was an aha moment and also like a welcome to the big league moment for me our groundskeeper out there i remember i was playing third base and it was before opening day and i'm scared to death as it is like the last day i'm like this feels beautiful this place is unbelievable can't believe i you know finally made it blah 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 yeah. and now it's like oh crap i gotta get ready for the game and so he comes up and he's like hey how do you like it like like what he's like <laughs> he's like the dirt he's like you want it soft you want it firm he's like you want it wet and i was like just wet as possible and sure enough you know they they will go around and he will go to every single guy and ask them the infielders um you know how do you want it to play mm-hmm. you know at the same time colorado was kind of going this is like pre-humidor and they're trying to figure that out the yeah. ball going too far and so one of the things that we did at home i kid you not they grew this grass out i don't know what the inch is but i know when you put your shoe in the grass you couldn't see your logo on whatever you were wearing. Uh-huh. And they they were doing it to try to make it more competitive for us, like an advantage. Um, and so it, they grew the ground out really thick. They drafted and, and signed a lot of sinker ball pitchers to try to keep the ball on the ground um, to help us out. No one really liked that because, you know, you... you, you, <laughs> you know, I came here to hit home runs yeah, in Colorado. Dang man, it. <laughs> you, you mishit a ball and you hit a bullet two hopper that's normally a base hit to left field. But now because, you know, the the gurus up top the front office decide yeah. this is what we're going to do now that ball's like the shortstop's taking one step to his right and you're yeah. out but the 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 biggest thing wherever stadium you went when this field played great and it was clean you just want the consistent and so the biggest thing and i don't want to na- name them but there are a couple fields where you had to go back to like most of the stuff your fundamentals at that level is like riding a bike yeah you would actually have to focus on that stuff every single ground ball because you don't know if this is going to hit, you know, we got a clump of grass in the infield that's not supposed to be there <laughs> and it hits that and it's going to go one way or, you know, they're not keeping the dirt wet. So yeah. you're getting spike marks on the ball, but it makes such a huge difference and you don't really realize it until you go play at some of those places that, you know, weren't as nice. Yeah. And then you're like, First thing you do is like you're talking to your buddies on the other team, like, man, I feel for you because it's like <laughs> at the, you at, live here. Yeah, man. <laughs> oh, at, at the end of the year, you'll look up and like whatever the number is for a shortstop, we'll have ten errors. Then there's two or three ballparks where these guys have twenty five, and the caliber of shortstop in the big leagues isn't that drastic. There is a margin of error. Yeah, and so it's like okay, and then you go there and you're just you know gritting your teeth and bearing it for three or four games. Mm-hmm. And those dudes are playing what eighty one there, so it's like, <laughs> yeah, man, you definitely appreciate the parks that play consistent and true. Absolutely. And you have, did you have a favorite park that you played at? For for me, it, it, it's kind of fun. We're talking about this too. First of all, Colorado, I loved. Um, I loved it as a, as a hitter. Um, also, the place was always perfect. Even like out in the fountain in center field, they kept that grass out there. It's better than any grass. Like, yeah, <laughs> that place, and then. Wrigley more at the time, not so much with the field because we had weather challenges yeah, and yeah. we had all that stuff. But the other, my favorite other park was hands down, um, playing at Wrigley Field. But that was one of those, and it's not a knock. It was just a lot of challenges. You were pre renovation, correct? <laughs> yeah, pre renovation. That back when you locker had to, room, yeah, you had a little tunnel that was like this big to get to the field. Yeah, but now, now that place is immaculate. Yeah. yeah. The, I got to go when I was uh, yep. driving up there. The the bullpen and everything. It's like wow, they really. You know, this is right. Great. It used to be back in the day. You you see the guy scurry down. <laughs> or unfortunately, we had a couple of relievers that were really good pitchers, but were a little wild when they're warming up. Oh, so you'd gosh. have the ball like the game would actually be stopping because the ball's firing down. We're back, but we're back in high school, <laughs> much. yeah, it's like oh boy, you see like two or three of them, and it's a big game or a big situation. You're like, oh, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in trouble for yeah. sure. For- 
So now with all the groundskeepers doing a lot more pattern designs on their grass, yeah. how does that affect you as a player and how like you? Yeah, the, for, for us, we, we love it. Like, I, I think it's cool. Like, you know, you see the different designs, you see the stuff you can do. I don't know if it's true. I mean, you guys are the experts, but <laughs> so when you're mowing it certain ways, right? Will yeah. the ball check up different? So it depends. Uh, something that, and again, I can't stand the people that do game, like right. you said. Yeah. Um, when you consistently mow the same pattern. So there are some guys that think that mowing the same pattern all year round is a good idea. Okay. When you force the grass a certain way, yep. Yep. that's when that ball starts to gotcha. up for a long period of time. So when it comes to the guys that I work with, so like Matt Brown, the pattern would usually be two or three different directions. So gotcha. like if you're mowing two or three different directions, yep. one each day, and then they would add a arc in Got those it. days. Yeah. So like you have a four day pattern. You're not going to see a checkup as much, but gotcha. there are certain places that I've seen that I'm just like, what are you? Right. Like you haven't changed it since the it's first home stand. That's funny so. you bring it up because I remember when we would come back, we would have the different patterns and the designs in the field. Mm -hmm. Now, now it makes sense. Yeah. Um. And then, and I, I like some of the cool stuff you can do. Obviously, as a player on the field, you can't really see it until you, you know, you get up a yeah, little bit. <laughs> but when when you're coming into the ballpark or you're watching a replay or you're watching video or something, I like all that stuff. I'm not sure, you know. I think it's cool. It shows craftsmanship. It shows care. It shows dedication and also shows some style, you know? Absolutely. So I think that stuff's pretty neat. For sure. Our kids love it. That's her. Heck yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> there is a lot that goes into, you know, being able to become a major league baseball player. And there are a lot of challenges. What are some of the things that you went through to get to where you, you know, 11, yeah. 11 years of pro baseball? The the biggest challenge is a couple things for me. And when I I had a wrist injury that I battled through college, and so I ended up having a lot of wrist surgery. So the main thing for me early in my career was the injuries. Um, I, I had to battle through that, and little did I know then that was basically setting me up. It was teaching me patience. It was teaching me. I always had a strong work ethic. You know, I always talk about you know when I'm talking to guys, and you know they're like, hey, you know this guy was only a double A player. I'm just like, man, guys that get to double A have the talent to play in the big 100%. leagues. The the biggest thing and the challenge is you have the dedication, you know, once the game's over to go home, to rest, to eat right. Or do you want to go out and go to the bars and hey. chase women and do all this stuff, you know, party. And so a lot of guys got weeded out because of that. And so the the biggest challenge is always staying healthy. Hmm. And then it's how do you every single day motivate yourself to get better? And for me, when I, once I got up to the big leagues and I saw what it was like, I was like, there's no way I'm going back down. Like, I'm not going back down to the minor leagues. And then it was, hey, what do I have to do to stay here? Because I look around the clubhouse, you're not the most talented player anymore. You know, you're not the best at your position. And so start going through that. And then it's like, you just come up with a plan and then you just go to work and you just grind it. And if you got to tweak it or make adjustments, you keep going through that. But yeah, the, the hardest thing for me and the challenge was the injuries, unfortunately. And then, you know, the grind of playing a full. Um, now you brought up the premier league and you brought up the mowing patterns and we talked about, John. Yeah. I texted you because, yep. uh, shout out John being, uh, Leicester city, the, I don't know if you sent me something about, or they they the outlawed pattern, yeah. yeah the patterns yeah no so in the Premier League they they outlawed all the crazy patterns I was like I know the guy who does that and you're like no you don't <laughs> I was like let's go so, yeah. like, come on I love them no for sure and now he's at Man City yep. and I just talked to him the other day he uh, um obviously has a big role where do you think sort of that disconnect is and when you talked about the NFL being more worried about money where do you think that disconnect is when it comes to the value of that for a player, you know, obviously we talk about the premier league and yep. everybody brass is probably one of the most valuable things. We have Lionel Messi who's in the MLS now who's refusing to play on artificial turf yep. fields and people are yep. bending to that, that need to right. make money. Right. Where do you think that disconnect is? And obviously as a pro athlete, like where do you think that value is for those players now that are playing at a, such a high level, you know, when it comes to, their abilities, their bodies, and everything that they're doing. Where do you think that sort of disconnect is, and how do you see fixing that? Or if, or if you think it is a value to fix it, if that makes sense. It's uh, the the disconnect comes, for, in my opinion, from 
ownership groups or front offices that are viewing either players as numbers, not as investments, right? So when you have an ownership group, a man city, right? They're going to go out and spend every single penny to make sure their players are playing on the safest, best pitch. They're going to do it for food, nutrition, training, the whole nine yards. Where that disconnect happens is you have front offices that their their overall goal is, I hate to say it, but it's a reality in pro sports. Their overall goal is not to win, right? You can look around, you know, the NFL, you can look around Major League Baseball, you can look around a lot of places. The, the biggest thing they want to do is make money. And they don't want to spend the money on stuff that is going to help the player, benefit the player, um, and in turn is going to push an investment back to the team. If you have a team that's out there playing well, they're performing better, they're doing everything, more people are going to want to come see it. More people are going to want to come watch. When you have players that aren't hurt, it's saving the team money from all the physio, the therapy, the rehab. And I just think the biggest disconnect is organizations, not all of them, but there are a handful uh, throughout sports are pushing bottom line dollar over best fan, best player experience. Mm -hmm. And whether it's from, you know, the, the field, the grass, the turf to the, the whole nine yards of what they're doing for the players behind the scenes. But I, I don't think that's ever going to change. I, I think it's all you're always going to have organizations that do it the right way. And then you're going to have some that kind of fake it, you know, to try to do it the right way. And you're going to see it like you, you take, you know, the turf field stuff uh, yeah. up there at MetLife. There's no reason why that that can't change. Like, and it's just, what does it come down to? It's, it's a quote money thing for them. And I just think once I hate to say it, but when you have enough players getting hurt, it's going to change. Yeah. going to change. The sad truth. That's, that's honestly, that was what I comment the other day. I was like, there's no reason for it. Yeah. Look at it. Did you see the, did you see the guy that tweeted out? Like it was like two and a half hours some random guy tweeted out two and a half hours because they had all the rain and stuff. And he was like, Somebody will tear their Achilles. He said, two and a half hours till Aaron Rodgers tears his Achilles on a wet MetLife I curve. did see that. And I was like, like holy smokes. <laughs> somebody needs to find this person real quick. I need to. I need a lottery. I need a lottery. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> oh, God. Baseball season is upon us. Toro's Field Pro 6040 was created with ball fields in mind. The Field Pro's multi-tool system allows four tools to be carried at once, significantly reducing the time required preparing infields. Scarifying, grading, and dragging can now be completed in a single pass, saving you time and effort. Visit Toro's website today to learn more about the Field Pro 6040. No, and that's that's the thing that I think was crazy about the whole thing. Is like It was just a normal tackle. There wasn't like any, he went for the legs or anything. And our, there's a picture that, again, where you can see that the cleat doesn't give because, again, the artificial doesn't give underneath the player's oh, foot. Yeah. It's stuck and pop, unfortunately, you know. So... Um, obviously you do a lot of work around this community and that's how I've gotten to know you working with high school baseball players and just being able to have sort of a, you know, space where you could help them get to where you were. Now, what has that experience been like for you? Uh, your family's very involved in the community. Your dad's a high school teacher. What has it been like to sort of give back to the community where you started sort of your journey in this yeah. space? It's it's humbling in in an aspect where people will listen to you and value your opinion and appreciate your time and coming out. It's it's an extremely humbling experience. The the thing for me that I, I try to look at, and again, the dynamics of Northern Virginia are changing drastically from you know income families to locations, the whole nine yards. I just try to look back on it when I was playing. I, I never really had the opportunity to talk to a major league player. Or, you know, have a guy come to my practice. You know, it just unfortunately just wasn't available. And so for me, I enjoy going out there and having the guys and the players, you know, from asking the silly questions about, you know, hardest pitcher to face or X, Y, Z, you know, answering those questions and then try to build relationships um, ju just to try to build up and promote baseball in Northern Virginia. You know, unfortunately, there's a lot of variables in play here that aren't always exactly the best for the kids. And I just want to try to cut through all that, yeah. you know, give families and players, you know, honest feedback, give them drills, instruction, coaching. And if it builds a relationship and they want to ask questions about, you know, how do we continue this? What do I need to do? You know, you're able to have that relationship and then kind of build on that mm -hmm. and then give them, you know, some information that might help a family make the right decision for college. Or maybe the kid doesn't want to play baseball and kind of help them, you know, get on the path that they want to do to make them happy. So 
I, I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed going back. I, I I like to stay under the radar with a lot of it, but uh, I hear you. Yeah, I sure. I enjoy uh, working with the kids because at the end of the day, that's what it's about. Yeah. You know, the high school kids, high school sports is a lifeblood of every single thing that happens outside of that. And if we can give that the the attention, the nurture, the care to help those players and help those coaches grow, it's just going to make the game better everywhere. Now, I do want to get into your other obsession. Yeah. A lot of people probably know about knowing you. Golf. Yes. yes. <laughs> you yeah. probably have a round after this, yeah. honestly. <laughs> um, what was that sort of like, you know, being able to, you know, obviously be a pro athlete and then sort of whether it was during your time as a player and now seeing golf, you know, turf grass has a huge role on yeah. that game and everything and how you play it and how the ball. Yeah. Uh, what has it been like for you to sort of understand all of that, you know, at the greater volume of play that you've had and being able to see all the different incredible courses you've talked yeah, about. Yeah, absolutely. The the thing that kind of blew me away with turf interaction, you know, from your club to if you're into the grain, if it's Bermuda, if it's bent grass, if it's whatever. When I first started playing, I was just happy to be out there. I was like, you know, hey, this is four hours. We're out in nature. We're doing our thing. Like, here's a sport that I'm not very good at that will challenge me to keep pushing and getting better. Um, and then as I started getting better and started playing more and some of my buddies who are golfers and before I'm hitting a shot, they're like, oh yeah, you know, look, the grain, the color of the, you know, the grass on the green. I'm like, what in the heck are you guys talking about? Just like the <laughs> there's whole, a hole oh, yeah. in the hole. Yeah, let me just cut it over there. Like, <laughs> shut up. But then like you start looking at it and you start learning and then I'm like, holy smokes, you know, it's, a, it's a game with inside a game, you know, basically depending on, you know, the type of course, the layout, the grass, the conditions, you know, all this stuff that I knew nothing about. And then, you know, being fortunate enough to play some high end golf courses and golly, like you see the attention to detail, you see, I, I'll tell you this and you, you'll, you'll appreciate it. Right. I repair, <laughs> I repair every divot yeah. and I take up, you know, every pitch mark on the green, but it's like, just the, the amount of time and effort it goes into keeping some of these higher end golf courses or even lower end golf courses, mm. you know, in a, in a playable shape. It's fascinating. Like it, it, it made me have an appreciation more for what you guys do mm -hmm. because before it was just like, I'll just hit the ball and replace my divot. You know what I mean? And now it's like, okay, well, they're cutting this this way because of this mm -hmm. or like, or they got to grow the rough up for whatever reason, like whether, you know, there's irrigation issues and they're trying to stop some, whatever it is. And it's just, it's kind of wild how deep, and I know for you guys, this is everyday stuff, but for us, like, you know, I always try to build relationships with the people that take care of, whether it's a ground screw guy in the big leagues, um, you know, our staff when I was at Clemson, or, you know, now the superintendents when I'm playing golf. And, you know, you, you get to hear them talk about what they're doing, you know, how important it is, you know, raking a bunker, you know, <laughs> whatever, whatever, what you can, yeah. you know, we'll have to replace it. And yeah, it's, it's pretty fascinating, man. And I, I enjoy it and seeing the two kind of come together. Um, now, you know, you talked about strategy and everything, and we've talked about playing surfaces and everything like that. Um, and we just talked about high school at what would be your sort of best words of advice, you know, and we can even get into it for Liz here, who's going through sort of an injury right now and time frame where, you know, she's trying to get to that next level. Yep. What would be your best word of advice for an athlete who's trying to be able to move? The first and foremost is make sure our grades are where they're at. Um, Good job. The the biggest thing, and it's the first thing that always comes up, and it's the first way to get an X next year. You know, if you don't have the grades. After that, it, as a high school kid, it's about trying to find the things that you do well, right? So whatever sport you're playing, wherever you're at, find the things that you do well and still do them, right? Keep, keep banging on them. Then, whether it's a coach or you know instructor from someone outside of your high school or local facility, ask them what you don't do well. And then try to take what you don't do well and get it up to par on what you do well. And once you start getting that and getting the skills and just then after that, it's just repetition. It's just banging and banging, banging, grinding, and then just continuing to move forward. The thing that I encourage all high school athletes to do is ask a lot of people a lot of different questions. You know, sometimes we build relationships with, you know, whether it's a high school coach that might have a limited scope of, you know, knowing what happens at the next step. Or if it's, you know, an instructor on a private facility, you know, ask all these people the questions, you know, hey, what do I got to do to get into college? Hey, what do I got to do to this? And kind of pick and choose the answers and kind of see what you like and just kind of formulate that and just grind. Yeah. It's 
it's exciting because in Northern Virginia here, if you can play well in high school sports, there is going to be a chance for you to play somewhere else. So the, the carrot is always there, you know, at the end of the stick for, you know, kids in our area. And I just encourage them to just ask a lot of questions and then just work your tail off. Got any questions? Let's <laughs> have a lot of questions, Liz. Um, no, I'm just mad. You have a question? Dude, let me hear it. Come on. Okay. She didn't have a- gotcha. Uh, <laughs> um, something that I, again, like we've gotten to notice from your work, you know, the, one of the things I love is that we always go back. Now I'm a little biased for those that don't know. My little brother's a baseball coach at his alma mater. So, but what does that mean to you to be able to go back to where it all started? Sort of yeah. uh, state title, so yep. all those things and be able to see sort of the legacy of Garfield. So yep. uh, what does that meant for you? It means the world. It's one of the reasons why whoever's been the coach of Garfield. Uh, obviously, my dad's still tied there. My dad coached with Mike Wright, and then I had Tommy Lapazetta, Mike Barrett, you know, as assistant coaches and coaches when I was there. Garfield was the place where I learned how to play baseball. Like, I learned how to compete. I learned how to push. I learned how to be a part of a team. Um, I always will go back and support them, whether it's with time, however it is, and however I can. And, you know, obviously – your brother's a stud and the things that he's doing for that program. No, you're not kidding. Yeah. He, he's, he's doing everything you need to do there. And I couldn't be happier with the way he's kind of taken that program and pushed it. Um, it, it's just, I feel like if we don't go back and me personally, just because again, didn't have a ton of money. So I wasn't able to go out and play in all these teams and all these programs now. And I got everything I needed from Garfield high school. And it put me on the map. We played, you know, obviously, back in the day, it was Potomac, who was a, another really, really good team. And, you know, it, it, everything that kind of let me have success moving forward all started there. And so I always enjoy going back there. Granted, this, I, I, I keep screwing up the name, the mascot with the changes and all that stuff. Red Wolf. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I just it's just a special place. It, sure. It's the same as Clemson, but more so because this is where I grew up. And, and this is home. Clemson. Let's talk about that. Yeah. That was they did really well this year. Yeah. What has sort of your been sorry? What has sort of been your obviously there's been a progression from when you were there yeah. to where we are now. Yep. Uh there's been ups and downs and everything yeah, yeah. goes with that. What is sort of as an alumni and sort of even even if it's a professional team, sort of as someone who's a part of something, again, what has it been like to see that growth and how have you, you know, been able to sort of give back to that sort yeah. of the 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 thing that I love with Clem- Clemson went through obviously a right stretch mm-hmm. and I-, I don't think we had the right personnel in there. Um, what, and those decisions happened. great people, but unfortunately just not, not what Clemson was at the time. Um, well, what they did. And when the new athletic director came in and I hear the interviews and I hear him talk, it felt like the Clemson that I went to, um, you know, with Jack Leggett, now they have Eric Backage, who they hired and obviously had the year that they had. Um, I had Eric Backage as a, ironically, his very first coaching job as a volunteer assistant yeah, was yeah. on, on that Clemson team where we had Jack Leggett, Tim Corbin, Kevin O'Sullivan, who are all going to end up in the Hall of Fame and Backage is on his way possibly there as well. Um, just to see them kind of get back to doing the things that we did. They also invited, you know, Coach Leggett back into the program after he unfortunately had been shunned a little bit for. Yeah. Their, for whatever politics and reason, I don't know. And, you know, really, you and I love uh, politics. Just like, yeah, everything, isn't it? <laughs> just like, and, and I talk to coach Leggett all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, still, I probably have a better relationship with him now than when I was a player because having, you know, some maturity and some time to look mm-hmm. back on, hey, he was doing this because of this. Yeah. You yeah. know, and so the hindsight. Yeah. Right? Where yeah. back then I was just a, oh, the star. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. No doubt. So I, I, I'm happy to see Clemson. I think they're going to get back to being, you know, a top five program in the country. Um, didn't like to see it when we were out of the rankings and all that stuff. Cause I know, Sorry, I'm sure. Oh, uh, the three years that we were there, obviously, and, and this isn't like tooting our own horn, but kind of pushed Clemson from that, you know, eight to 12 type program into a one to five. And the guys that were there, the, you know, the effort we put in, you know, the grinding, you know, playing games, all the stuff to kind of, elevate the program you hate to see that kind of fall back yeah and unfortunately it happened but now i think those guys that are there the staff the players obviously there's challenges with the nil and all the stuff that (laughs) now become college sports but i'm excited to see them i think they can get back to that level Mm -hmm. and i think they can probably even push it because 
the facility we had a top five facility when I was in college, and now this you and I have talked about oh that the gosh. arms race of college facilities it's, is it's crazy. unbelievable. Like fields upon fields, locker rooms. It's like those guys at Clemson, they're not going to have a locker room facility that's as nice as that realistically ever. Like hey, the pros don't do it. Yeah, you you might be lucky if you're you know on the home side at New Yankee Stadium with all the amenities they have, but. Even big league ballparks don't have that. I think big league ballparks are starting to see it, though. I think uh, Anna did a really big. Yep. Theirs is like similar to a college, but still, like you said, it's just it's a completely different ball game when it comes to a student athlete. In a sense, you know, you're they're your athletes when you're a pro. You know, like you yep. don't have to take care of your grades or anything else. We don't need a study room. We don't need right uh, are necessary. Um, something that I'm curious to hear from a perspective of a pro for people that are listening is. What are things that, you know, a groundskeeper can do better for an athlete, whether that is having a relationship, talking to them, whatever. And again, we're bound by, you know, like contracts and stuff like, hey, don't approach them. Don't do this. Don't do that. What would you say is the best thing that we can do to make your experience on the playing surface better? The 100% hands down is just communicate, right? Whether it's. (laughs) <laughs> the best ground crew, like people that I ever had came up and would talk to you. They would ask you. And then if the field, it's very obvious. You guys know when the field's not up to your standards or what you want it to be for whatever reason, you know, whether it's a disease or weather or concerts. So you guys know right away. We know as a player too, it's not up. And it's just like, just have that, that communication and dialogue where mm-hmm. it's like, you know, Hey bake, we know it's not, we know we're trying, you know, we're trying to get there. And the goods ground crew that we had, they would talk to you mm-hmm. and they were just as much as a part of the team as, you know, the guy that was playing next to you yeah. because their job, I would argue is more important sometimes than some <laughs> of the stuff that we do, you know, and I, I, the biggest thing is just communication and honesty. You know, if, if you have that and both sides, like players will put their egos aside if they think the other person cares. And the, when you have a grounds crew that cares and you can tell that, and they're communicating with you, 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 we know the field's not going to be perfect. Just like, you know, our bodies aren't going to feel good after day one of spring training. It's the same thing with fields. You know, they're just going to get beat up. And so, yeah, having that communication and honesty, like it goes so far. It goes so far in that relationship. And the people and the grounds crews that want to build that, it's special. Like I, I've told you the story of this. Oh, uh, seven, we went to the World Series. Mm-hmm. And you vote out playoff shares for, you know, basically playing in the playoffs because you're not on a salary. Hands down, unanimous vote. We voted to give our grounds crew head guy and the people a full share. And that came out to that year. I mean, we finished runner runner up. That came out to, I want to say like 170 grand. You know, just here's a check. And the reason why is because we don't get to that level of playing in the World Series without the care and the effort that the team put in. And so it's it's so important. It can make the biggest difference, especially in a franchise that, you know, a winning franchise or a franchise that's kind of just there. So I I always try to build relationships with with the people, you know, and I know it stinks because some of the grounds crew, like like you said, like you'll go up and talk to them and it's like the quick one word answer. And you're like, dude, you're not going to get in trouble. Come on. (laughs) I'm talking to you. We're not going to get you in trouble. And so, yeah, just the communication and the honesty, man. The Turo company is known for innovation. For example, the RealMaster 5010H improves performance and productivity. The industry's first and only real mower with a true hybrid drive system. Save up to 20% on fuel use while also lowering costs and lowering the vehicle's carbon imprint. Visit Turo's website today to learn more about this revolutionary mower and discover the power of sustainable and efficient grounds maintenance. And that, and that's a huge help when it comes to you guys approaching the grounds crew. Like there are certain people, obviously the head groundskeeper, and they have a little more leeway because that they are sure. part of the team. Yep. They're the ones that are ensuring safety and all the playability and all that. But when I was there, I was like a part time guy. So like again, I wasn't like I right. was I wasn't trying to get <laughs> right. Yeah. I remember when, you got the sign? <laughs> no, 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 no. It was <laughs> never like that. No. Uh, I remember one time Ian Desmond came up to me. We had like a half hour conversation during BP, just yeah, yeah. waiting for everything to get done. And I was just honest conversation about yep. the field, what we were doing, everything like that. Which again, like you said, no, there was a there was a time that was pretty funny. So we were it was the World Series, the Mets yep. versus Royals. We were in our sort of whole. You guys probably walk into the 
locker room from. Yep. We have a hole. Usually there's like drags and stuff for in between right. stuff. And so we're standing there. I think we were watching Ohio State, Penn State, which is funny because our head groundskeeper went to Penn State and our assistant oh, went to Ohio State. So it was this big thing. Yeah. Like during the World Series, we're watching this game. And these three guys walk in and they just sit down and they're just like, hey, can we watch with you guys? Yeah, sure, whatever. Right. I like, don't even know who they are, right? It's just, there you go. I'm like, okay, yeah, whatever. So they're like talking to us. We have a full on conversation. They all go to Virginia Tech, all right. those things like that. And so, they're like, all right, thanks, guys. We're going to head out to the field. Like, yeah, no problem. One of the assistants walks by and he looks at me. I was like, <laughs> should I? <laughs> no. Was I? It was, it was like, it was like the top three Rangers who were playing in the Stanley Cup like that week. Go. It was like Henrik Lundqvist. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve, oh, Thelma awesome. Nash. I forget. And I was like, you're a Rangers fan, aren't you? <laughs> no, you do right away. <laughs> yeah. Like, Yes. I was like, well, we're best friends now. Yeah. So. <laughs> I'll get you. That's awesome. I'll go talk to them for you. Don't worry. <laughs> That's awesome. No, it was like one of those moments you're like, wow, it's sometimes good to not know things because I probably would have been like, yeah, yeah locked, up. locked up. Doing right now. Locked up. Um, obviously, and I love the answer, you know, like being open and honest. Um, what were some of your experiences, obviously, when it comes to your play that the field might have had a role in slash? Whether it was like a bad bounce that you're like, I should have had that play, or was it whether it was like, okay, I was able to make this play because of that was there yeah. a time frame or a moment where you were like, oh crap, this is like, yeah, here, here, it can be a bad one. We yeah. can take it. We I still, it. I still remember three ground balls that I missed. That and the reason I remember them is because they either lost us the game or put us in a position that we shouldn't have been in. Mm. And I still remember them, and they were bad hops right and it's like you look back and you go and you think you know you don't remember all the times that you got all the cherry hops you know it's just the nature of the beast but i still go back and i remember is one in san fran one in chicago and then one in one in gosh what is it called now um san diego ironically echo yeah but it, it's you that's, sl- that's like the dream job that's i like, can only imagine with the weather out they put the tarp behind the outfield wall i, I remember laughing because i was looking we there was we were in there one time and it was supposed to there's like a chance of rain <laughs> and so all of a sudden we see them like rolling out the tarp because we ne- like you never saw like, it this is not real yeah. where did you where, where did this come from <laughs> but yeah man you, you the the like i said the biggest thing you just want is consistency on from the field and I just remember those those three that stand out because it's like the ball didn't do what it's what it's supposed to do because mm-hmm. of X factor. Yeah. And then you're not blaming it on a grounds crew or you're not blaming it on someone not doing their job. You just definitely remember it. Those moments <laughs> where you're like, ah, it just stings. It's just like, oh no. I have those in my field. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> those are my fault because I was in charge of the field at the time. So <laughs> um obviously, you know, there are so many different things. What are some of the experiences in your career that have sort of stuck out, not related to the field, but yeah. sort of defined you as a person when it, the way you carry yourself now for like community and everything? Yeah. One of one of the outside of playing in the World Series, collegially going to the World Series two times, and then getting the chance to play in the World Series with the Rockies. The the biggest thing that sticks out for me and kind of helped shape and mold was my experience with USA baseball. Um growing up a military kid. The USA on your chest just sticks a little harder. And so I was fortunate enough, played on the first ever 16 and under team. Now we have, I think they're down to like nine U or something <laughs> wild, but we won't get into all yeah, that. There's, there's, it's a lot of teams, but it was, I, I was fortunate to play. I played on the 16 year old team. Um, we went to Taipei, played on the 18 year old team. We went back to Taiwan, a little farther south, won a gold medal there. And then I played on the USA team two times in college. And I I just, every time you put it on your chest and especially when we would go over and play in Taiwan and then when we did, they called it the red, white, and blue back then tour when I was in college and you played across the country and then we went over to Amsterdam and then they pulled the plug on us and then let us go to the Olympics. Not too happy about that still to this day, but the, uh, you, you just remember Kind of like sticking together. Mm. I mean, because we're very jaded uh, as Americans, where we think we're the best at everything, and everyone yeah. loves us. Um, so I remember going over, and you're playing in some pretty hostile environments, and just the pride. And, and USA Baseball did a tremendous job. You know, you had to stand a certain way in the line when the anthem's playing. You had to do X, Y, and Z. The respect for the flag and for your country, like 
I would say the USA baseball experience for me was one of the biggest impacts on my career. Um, I, I played on some really good teams with them had some big, you know, contributions. And then I also played a year in college when I was absolutely terrible and, you know, got some valuable experience from that. That kind of helped mold me and shape me, but yeah, the, the college world series with Clemson was special, you know, playing with USA baseball special. And then, Getting, I mean, technically as a rookie, my first year going to the World Series, it, it was the season is so long and so hard. And then you get to the postseason and everyone says like, hey, this is what you play for. Well, like, I, I'm a dumb rookie. I don't know that. It's <laughs> like, you know, I'm going through it. And then it's like, we're going on the plane to go play in Philadelphia. You get off, the, you know, the bus and there's choppers following your bus to the, you know, the hotel. And you're like, holy smokes. And then just the the atmosphere of playing in the postseason, it, it it's the cliche, but it makes it all worth it. Like you don't care all the blood, sweat, and tears you went through. You're like, dude, this is this is why you play baseball. Yeah. You know, and it's yeah, those those experiences was probably the, the top for kind of shaping me and molding me, you know, as a baseball player and then, you know, also as, you know, off the field. Yeah. So obviously you went to Clemson, big yep. name college, great place to play. Yep. What was the recruitment process like for you? And yeah. what were some things you looked for in coaches? Yeah. So very good, very good question. The, when I was coming up, it was a little different, right? So I didn't really get on the map until like my going from my junior to my senior year. And back then that was kind of the normal recruiting process of when they would, you know, start talking to you. And so I actually, me and my family kind of came up with a plan I wanted to go to the camps. You know, we kind of used it as I went down to Clemson. I went there as for a, a week long camp in the summer and I wasn't the best at the time. Um, I didn't really blow up until that next year, my senior year. Um, and I went down there and just fell in love with the place. We were going to kind of look at Clemson as like an interview process. Like we're interviewing the school, see if yeah. I'll fit here on top of the coaches. And I'll never forget it. Coach Lake, I've been to a couple other camps, not not as a as a prestigious baseball school as Clemson was, but the head coach would come the first day, shake your hand, welcome you, bone out, and then what say, okay, thanks for coming the yeah, last yeah. day. And Coach Leggett was there every single day. Every single day of the camp worked. Tim Corbin and the other assistant coach, Kevin O'Sullivan, were out recruiting. Um and he called them and had them come back to look at me. And they ended up offering me a scholarship at, right after the camp and ended up, my dad was actually down there with me on the trip, called my mom. We talked it over and then I committed. Um, obviously that kind of took the pressure off me and allowed me to just go out and play. And then I was able to take my game to the next level. But the biggest advice that I give to, you know, student athletes today and family when it comes to college recruiting is, you control the process. A lot of the stuff that's being pitched and then the narrative now is you have to let everyone else do the stuff for you. You got to be on the right travel team or you got to have the right coach. Your high school coach has to call for you or, you know, they're not doing these things for me. And it's it couldn't be farther from the truth. Every college coach is as a player. If you send them an email, hey, I'm interested in your school. I'd like to come to your camp. They're going to respond. And it's the easiest way to get inter instant interaction. And also it allows you as the, the family and the student athlete to go around and look at the different schools. Hey, you know, I'm looking for, you know, a, a rural, you know, not city school mm -hmm. that has X, Y, and Z for programs. You can go down and look at it, take a look. Hey, I don't like it. Okay. Go somewhere else. And then the bonus is when you're going to these camps is you're also getting instruction and you're getting instruction from different people, different places across the country or regionally that's going to also help make you a better player. So I just always encourage families and players to kind of take the recruiting process and put it on your plate. Don't, don't wait for other people to help you out because you can do it yourself. You don't need all these bells and whistles that unfortunately cost a lot of money um, to get recruited nowadays. It's never been easier. It just takes having the courage and being able to, Hey, I'm going to send an email to coach or, Hey, I'm going to call a coach. And so I always, you know, recommend families and players find someone that you trust that can evaluate, you know, your talent. Say, hey, I think you can play in this range of schools. And then just start looking at camps or emailing coaches and they will respond. They they will respond because a lot of them, um, I don't want to get too deep into it, but a lot of them don't like dealing with some of these travel programs and teams. They just want to deal with the families and kids. But yeah, I, I just take it into your own hands. Absolutely. Um, now, 
there are a bunch of different things that go into that and a bunch of different people yeah. are part of it. And obviously um, something that I think that I think is lost a lot in that process is that they are kids, right? You know, yeah. because there are so many things, what would be your best words of advice for the kid when it comes to maybe the disappointment of something not happening or dealing with a decision that might have a huge impact? Like they've got everything they want in yep. these three different places and they don't know what to do. Right. Uh, just overall, what would you say is the focus of your best interest in heart when it comes to the kid? So when you're talking about like the disappointment, right? The the biggest thing is trying to get the, the kid and the family um, to surround themselves with people that they trust that's going to be honest with them. Yep. Uh, I see a lot of disappointment from kids either not going to a school that they think they should go to is because someone back in the day pitched the school to them that realistically they're not. I, and I've had this, and I tell this story, and I'm not going to name the player's name, but I tell this story about Garfield, perfect mm-hmm. example. Um, I had a family reach out to me and said, hey, can you call Clemson for my son? And I said, you know, hey, okay. I was like, let's, I'm going to be at practice. I'm going to come up. I'm going to watch a game. Let me check it out. Unfortunately, th- this kid's talent level, and it's, there's nothing wrong with this, right? Like my talent level is capped at a certain point. Everybody is. The talent level was not even remotely close to Clemson, Mm -hmm. but unfortunately, the idea had already been planted in this family and this kid's head. So I always just encourage people and the player, you know, to honestly, you know, look yourself in the mirror. And it's obviously very hard when you're dealing with parents because every parent thinks that their kid is the best, right, Mm -hmm. to a certain degree. But to just honestly look at your talent and then find the schools, take three schools, right, and go out and you narrow down to your final three. When you get to that part of the process, I truly believe that the school that you're meant to go to will stand out, mm-hmm. whether it's an interaction you have with a coach that you like a little better there, whether it's an interaction, um, you know, with the faculty there when you're coming to choosing, you know, hey, they got my major that I want to do. I think all that stuff will kind of make itself clear. It's just kind of filtering through the initial steps mm-hmm. and then being honest and just narrowing it down. Now, I do want to shift away from all the yep. recruiting fun yeah, stuff. Yeah. Um, <laughs> when it comes to, you know, a kid, you know, taking those next steps, Liz is a senior. We have a bunch of kids that are looking to be sport or anything. Yeah. What would be your best words of advice for a kid sort of taking that next step in life with college, going into a job, doing something? Realistically, now your life starts. Um, every choice matters. So perfect example for me, I, I didn't party when I was at Clemson. Right. I chose not to drink. I didn't party. I didn't do any of that stuff because I made that choice because I wanted to get the best out of my baseball ability. Mm-hmm. When kids are now going into college, the biggest thing is every choice that you make is going to have an action and a consequence, right? Kind of see, see where you want to be, not just next year, two years, five years down the road. I want to go to school and be a, you know, a vet, you know, Hey, what I'm doing today is this going to hinder me from getting to where I want to go? And it's kind of just, you know, having that big picture plan and just set set goals, set short-term goals that you can hit, set long-term goals, and just have kind of the mental toughness and fortitude to just keep grinding them. I mean, that's realistically the easiest way that I could say it, just because it's the only way I did it. Mm-hmm. You know, my, my father was military, very goal. I, I mean, I still, ironically, I still have some of my goals back then, I don't know what I was thinking, but <laughs> I still have them written down. And, you know, you see some of them are pretty outlandish, but kind of having that system in place when I went to Clemson um, helped me a lot because when, once I got a, at Clemson, you know, first of all, I was challenged academically um, with some of the classes and stuff that I was taking. I, I wasn't in the the easiest of majors, you know, just show up and get a passing grade. But you know, I got, I had to make a plan for that. You know, I had to make a plan. How am I going to balance my social life? How am I going to balance my baseball? What percentage of time is going to go to what? And, you know, by just being able to make goals, set the goals and do the best that, yeah, there's going to be bumps on the road. There's going to be mistakes, but just try to stick to what you believe in the most and just keep pushing. Um, obviously, you know, we have, we're a turf grass management program. We talk about sports fields, professional baseball player. You've done so many different things. Can you sort of speak to sports and sort of the impact it has on not just your own life, but just when we look at it, and again, I think about it every day, there are people that, you know, maybe their outlet is going home watching a game with their dad. Maybe it's they go play lacrosse on, you know, a daily basis. 
what is the role of sports sort of in society in your eyes when it comes to what as a group, you know, athlete, field manager, how we're able to accomplish again something like going to the world. Yeah. You know? Yeah. The the thing for me with sports is it means so much and so many different things to so many different people. Whether you're an athlete, it means something to you. It could mean a check. It could mean a job. It could mean competing. It could mean the joy of it, you know, from being, you know, the caretaker of the field. It could be the same thing. It can be the emotions of all this. It can be when you when you come home and exactly what you said. I mean, I remember I used to watch Cincinnati Reds games with my dad, you know, and then he tried to get me to watch the Cleveland Browns and they were so bad. I just I, I, I couldn't, couldn't do it at the time. But you know, it, it's just it's such it spans across everything, you know, from even being, you know, on a team, you know, having to, you know, work hard, set your goals, be disciplined, you know. I, I just truly believe whether you're a super talented, you know, player or a sport in a sport, or you're not, you know, you're a manager on the team that just wants to be around. There are so many life lessons that you can learn from athletics and then so many emotions and so many different things that it will just parlay things up. I, I, I think it's the, you know, sports is, you know, a mainstay, you know, for a lot of people, whether it's again, you know, a way of life, a way of relaxation, you know, whatever it may be. And I think that's the beauty of sports. Absolutely love it. You have any more questions? Well, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time being here today. Yeah, absolutely, uh, man. I, I appreciate you inviting me out. Got, yeah. me, got me out of the house, off the golf course. <laughs> <laughs> well, again, thank you again. Be sure, guys, you know, uh, to reach out if you have any questions. All right.